0: The Y Curve with Phil Dobby and Roger Hearing.
1: Tax, it's always painful. But does it have to be so complicated? Pages and pages of regulations and enough variations to keep an army of tax lawyers in business. Ah, yes, they say. Well, you have to have a system that reflects the complexity of modern life. But is it the density of regulation that means that the rich can find loopholes and the poor fall into the bear traps is a flat tax system better does it save money or is that fundamentally unfair we'll look at all of that uh, this week on the Y Curve brought to you by Wigmore Associates
0: the Y Curve
1: So there are actually uh, 31.7 million income taxpayers, uh, or the where, in 2020 to 2021. That's projected to increase to 35.9 million in 2023 to 2024, which is, you know, a few extra million uh, in just the space of a couple of years. Not because people there's more people working necessarily, but because more people are just getting into the tax threshold, which, of course, isn't moving and won't be moving until I think it's uh, 2028 at the earliest. So uh, we, we are in this situation where more people are paying tax and we're all being pushed up a threshold. And we all
2: don't quite know, or slightly suspicious
1: maybe, about whether we're being taxed at the right level because it is incredibly complicated. Yeah, well, that's it. And the, as we said in the introduction, of course, the more money you've got, the more you have this ability to try and uh, work through the loopholes, whereas uh, if you are sort of like on a, you know, a middle income earner, all you can do is pay the tax as determined by HMRC, by the rules that, you know, are clear and open to everybody. But uh, yeah, because you don't have those instruments, those mechanisms for for moving money around to try and avoid tax.
2: Right. So is the answer then to make it much, much more simple? Because that's really the kind of crux of it. Some people say, well, a flat tax, you know, there we are. All done. No messing around. In the end, we'll all save money because because more people who should be paying tax will pay. The it. problem
1: is uh, when you start looking at how you avoid tax. That's when people start setting up companies, isn't it? And family trusts. Well, maybe less family trusts, but setting up companies. And of course, you, you know, there's legitimate reasons. You and I each run our own companies to uh, to operate the businesses we operate in, uh, and and th- and that adds an extra level. And we all pay all the tax we we owe. But well, of course, down. we do. Yeah, all above board. But of course, then you get into do. De- you pay income tax on your earnings, or do you pay company tax and then dividend tax? And that is, of course, when you get into, you know, earning millions, that's where you start to get this ability to play the system a little bit, where you go, okay, well, I'm going to pay yeah, myself. There s-
2: are accountants out there, you know, small and big, who make a lot of money. Doing a bit, this a good
1: reason. Exactly. Yeah. And actually, I mean, that, that irks me as well. The fact that in these days, just to file a relatively simple tax return... You can't do it without an accountant. So that tells you there's something wrong, doesn't it? The fact that you have to pay somebody to facilitate you paying money to somebody else. It's like, you know, it's, it's almost like a, a tax in itself. It should be simple that anybody should be able to file a tax return if they haven't really got a particularly complicated But, 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 set but of life numbers. isn't, so, I
2: mean, people, the way people work isn't simple. So what you end up with is a situation that some people are paying too much, some people are paying too little. And unless you have something complicated that reflects what they actually do, who takes into account the fact that on a Tuesday they teach in a school on a Thursday they're a, a freelance PR operative on a Friday that they look after someone, you know and, and and all those things have to be taken into account or it ain't fair. Yeah
1: but you know what I think actually has happened is it's a bit like uh, IT infrastructure isn't it you, you know you have all these old companies that got these legacy IT systems that they don't want to rip out and put something in new because they're so dependent on them for you know sort of the core of the way their, their, their infrastructure works but they build on top of it you know things that are going to fixed problems or shortfalls they've got in the old system. So they just build on top of the old stuff. And then, you know, something else comes along that has to be built on what's been built on top of that. And I think the tax system is the same. So it's, you know, we had a, maybe in the olden days, maybe hundreds of years ago, we had a fairly straightforward tax system. Uh, but- I'm not sure we did, you know. I don't. I think it's always been complicated. I think it's, it's always had to fit
2: And there have always been people with interest who say, well, look, ah, you can't do that because of this, and you can't do this because of that. And that's the thing. There's too many people whose interest is in maintaining the system. As well, great. absolutely,
1: accountants. Absolutely, I mean, the more complicated, obviously, the more money they can make. Now, look, if you uh, if you do want, uh, obviously, not those bad guys who are you know just trying to milk you for what they can. If you want somebody, and it sounds like this whole podcast is really leading up to this uh, to, to this sponsorship. Absolutely, <laughs> for once, for it's once, just, we're actually we are almost <laughs> produced. We're almost produced. Exactly, we are think, completely relevant and uh, are on board with this. But look, if you want someone to look after your investment portfolio, your assets, your pension. Basically, what we're talking about today, making sure you're getting the best return, you're optimising your arrangements regarding tax, uh, then who else do you turn to, and looking after your your estate when you've gone as well. uh, For somebody who can work all of this out for you, the folks at Wigmore Associates, they can help with all of that. They're a boutique wealth management company. Uh, They've been helping out people in this way for decades. Give them a call on 0207 224 3400, 0207 224 3400, or visit wigmore-associates.co.uk. They are proud supporters of the YCAV, and um, can help you through all the sort of stuff that we are going to be talking about today on the podcast. Yep, we,
2: are, we are frighteningly relevant, I think, today. And in order to make us even more relevant, let's talk to someone who really knows what they're talking about on this. And that's Judith Friedman. She's the Pinset Mason's Professor of Taxation Law and Policy
1: at Oxford University, a Senior Research Fellow at Worcester College. And she joins us now. So, Judith, I mean, uh, yeah, we were talking just before you came on about how complicated tax is. Does it have to be as complicated as it is? And are there any places in the world where you can pinpoint and say, well, actually, they seem to have got it, you know, a a much simpler system that seems to be working?
0: It doesn't have to be as complicated as it is. Um, in the UK or in the United States, but it's never going to be completely simple because we have a complex society and it reflects that society. It is much simpler, say, in Hong Kong, where they have fewer taxes or Singapore, but that's because they have different underlying um, objectives and policies. As soon as you have uh, a number of taxes on many different tax bases, it's going to get complicated. But if we simplified our tax policy, we could simplify the legislation.
2: Well, let me pick up on that, Judith, because you said there are different intents or different ideas, if you like, behind the tax systems in other places. So, are you saying if, if we only taxed income, or if we only taxed purchases, or we only taxed corporate income that that would that would give it a different flavour and simplified? Is that what you mean?
0: Yeah, I mean, obviously, the simplest tax would be a poll tax. You could only tax um, each person on a head to tax. That would be very simple, but it would be very unfair and politically unacceptable. So there you have to balance complexity, simplicity, and um, and your other objectives. It's not possible only to look at one thing, one objective when you're designing a tax system. It,
1: it, the fairness and simplicity seem to be at opposite ends of a spectrum, don't they? So if it is simple, it's going to be unfair. But, I mean, is there a way around that? So you could, for example, say – uh you know, there are people who advocate, and I'm not one of them, but people who advocate saying we should have a universal basic income. So everybody gets a handout, they get the, the amount of money that's required to live off, whether they're working or not. Uh, and if they are working, then they earn extra. And you, you introduce a flat rate, then you then you have the equivalent of poll tax. You have a high rate of tax, saying, Well, maybe it's forty five percent for everybody after that stage, because everybody has already got enough to live off. It's almost like saying, Well, let's just have a top rate of tax. Almost like the tax threshold we got now but actually at a living wage.
0: There's all sorts of things you could do. Um, you could have a very high threshold, um, but that would mean that many people would have no buy-in at all to the tax system. Uh, that might be problematic in terms of democracy. Um, it wouldn't necessarily be possible to um, give everyone sufficient uh, tax-free income for them all to live on. Um, and therefore, you would probably still need adjustments for people with special needs. Um, and you would then start, you already, as you described it to me, started to build in complexities. You started to talk about a higher rate and then maybe it could go higher for even more wealthy people. And- Do you know why that
1: is too? Because as I went on in the sentence, I was thinking this isn't going to work. It's, I mean, wait, I was well, a, It wasn't I just- simple, was it? Because as soon
0: as you started thinking about how you could make it really fair, it started to get less um, simple. Um, but fairer. So you, th- those two things are in tension, And what we have to do all the time is go for a, the optimal tax system, balancing everything we're trying to do with it. And one of the problems is we try to do too many things with the tax system. So we're trying to control what people eat and control what. Um, they consume and um make green taxes and make food taxes and health taxes and um so we're trying to do a very large number of things so isn't that one-
1: that's half the problem isn't it I mean if we just whittled it back to saying well actually it's a revenue earning exercise and maybe you know an income uh, an income distribution exercise that might be fair as well to say it's part and parcel of that and and we stop there anything else all the behavior
2: social engineering has always been part of the, the tax system in one form I and mean, people have been trying to get people not to do things they don't want them to do, that's that's pretty much been around for a long isn't time. isn't that part of the, the problem, Judith?
0: Yeah, it has been around for a long time, um, but it doesn't usually work um, very well because, um, because of that tension. So if we're trying to stop people from drinking too much alcohol, for example, and we have a very high tax on alcohol, then we're not going to raise very much money from that. So we have a – and we might be happy with that, but we cannot say that the tax on alcohol is a good tax – A good revenue raiser.
1: Yeah, and yeah, and as you say, if, it, if it's working, then it raises nothing at all, and then things like the sugar tax. You know, where do you draw the line between uh, food that is VAT free and food that has VAT plus then food that has a has a surcharge because it's got too much sugar in it? I mean, it's There's just
0: almost no logic in the VAT rules, which are based on some old, um, very ancient purchase tax rules. So don't even go there because you can't even justify them on grounds of logic.
1: Well, do we? So do we get rid of VAT? VAT, I mean, it's a regressive tax. Well, there's a the
2: logic to getting rid of VAT, isn't it? Because you could say, well, there's no point in taxing people on what they purchase. You can tax them on what they earn. Uh, you can even tax them, I suppose, on what they do. But but on, on what they purchase, it you don't need it at all. It's
0: a very efficient tax, in fact. And um, it, it, I don't think we're going to get rid of it because it's a very good um, revenue raiser. But what we could do is remove all the exemptions and zero ratings because they are beginning to get ridiculous so first of all we have people arguing for um removal of VAT on tampons and then we have people arguing for removal of VAT on suntan lotion and so on and that is going to create more and more complexity so it would be far better to have a flat rate of VAT on everything and then deal with the redistribution necessary um in other ways
2: right so more welfare payments <laughs> yeah we're doing things with tax that we could do in better ways essentially is
1: that what you're saying?
0: Yeah, I think that tax is usually quite badly targeted at achieving the objectives that some campaigners um, are aiming for.
1: Of course, the argument for VAT has been given that, yeah, it is – efficient because you can't avoid it whereas income tax you know if you've got a a, a good accountant or uh, or you know or you're a tradesperson perhaps who, who who forgets actually to uh, to you know someone's paid cash and they forget to declare it just a mere oversight of course uh, you know that's that's a less efficient tax whereas vat of course you know it catches everybody um so, I mean, yeah, so is, is income tax, is, is that the problem, that income tax is just too complex or too or easily avoidable? And, and how do we get around that problem?
0: Well, for the vast majority of people, it's not easily avoidable because for employees um, in the UK and in many other countries, there's deduction at source, and that works very well too. So we have PAYE in the UK, and for the majority of people, still, they don't have any, have to have any interaction with the revenue authority everything's deducted by the employer and it's actually really quite simple so i don't think that the majority of people are um having a problem with it but for small traders it is Complicated and problematic. And um, also
2: with the changing nature of the economy where you have uh, the gig economy and, and people doing lots of different jobs in different ways, that enormously increases the amount of paperwork because some will be PAYE, but yeah,
0: some will. PAYE oh. doesn't work very well in the gig economy. Um, we have a, a, another silly definition. We have a definition of employee uh, and self-employed which doesn't really work anymore and perhaps never did. It would be better to try to use technology, I think, to change the way we deal with that by deducting a source um, in more cases um, and that should be possible if everyone had a personal tax account, which also should be possible. But at the moment in the UK, our HMRC is struggling with its IT and we ha- haven't reached that stage Yeah,
1: yet. but that seems like something that could be fixed, doesn't it? And, and also and it should
0: if- be it possible to fix and, 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 and the technology could be used for that
1: purpose and if it needs to be built from the ground up so be it because they're spending a fortune employing people so i mean just in terms of the the manpower they'd save or the you know the person power they'd save if we had a better tax system uh, a more efficient it system behind the tax office because what tens of thousands of people working at hmrc well
0: what we need to do is start from the technology and then design our tax system that will work with that technology. What we're trying to do at the moment is we're we've got an existing complex tax system and we're trying to layer our technology on the top of that. And I don't think that's working well at
1: all. How do you feel about the idea then that, you know, that the tax office has visibility to all our transactions? If we're getting to away from a cash society, uh, is that a good thing or is that a is, is that taking away our freedom and our liberty a little bit? If the tax office can say, okay, we've seen all your transactions, we think you're trying to avoid tax here and this is how much you should be paying over here.
0: I see no problem with um, repopulation of our tax returns by third parties providing information to the tax authority, provided it's done efficiently and transparently and there are proper checks and balances, but there have to be those protections built in.
2: Those, that's it fundamentally the problem. And, and that, again, in a way, brings us on to the third area we haven't we really touched on, VAT touched on income tax. But corporation tax is a very big issue, partly because of, in political terms, people saying, well, it can discourage enterprise, can discourage startups and all these kind of things. But also, big companies can find even better ways for getting around Well, it.
0: there are a few myths around this because um, it's not really large companies where the big tax gap is. It's um, smaller companies, in fact. Um, large companies... Can find ways of structuring themselves internationally so that they minimise their tax, but that's being tackled at an international level, perhaps not in the best way possible. But there are there is a lot of action going on um, through the OECD to reduce the options for very large businesses to minimise their tax. And there's going to be a 15% global minimum tax rate, um, which we are about to introduce in the UK in in our finance bill. This year, so we can overdo the um, arguments about large businesses.
1: So if that fifteen percent means whatever you earn in this country, you'd pay fifteen percent tax on on.
0: Turnover, it will not- be a 15%. It's much more complicated than that. And if of course it is. Really- you made it sound so
1: simple. until we-
0: <laughs> If you really want complexity, you need to look at this um, system, which is called the, P- the Pillar 2. It's incredibly complicated, but basically it looks at the group of companies as a whole. So all the connected companies in a multinational and um, it will look at where they're headquartered and it will add up all their taxes. It will look at their consolidated taxes. It will be 15% overall, but then they will look at all the individual Countries and how much that tax they're paying there, and give each of those individual companies, uh, countries a chance to top up if they're not already charging 15%. Um, so overall, it should end up that the group of companies pays 15% on its profit. But of course, the definition of profit is a complicated thing.
1: Absolutely. And to, to such a point, 15% on profit, I mean, and all the complexity that goes with it, I mean, companies employ people. The more money they make, arguably, the more people they're going to employ, you'd hope, and the, the, because they would grow more. You begin to wonder, you know, is is this one tax that perhaps, just to level the playing field, we all just say, well, I, you know what, corporation tax, maybe we just get a shot of it. Well,
0: you know what everybody would do if you got rid of corporation tax, everyone would keep their money in a corporation. So um, at, the, at the small company level, you can't do that because um, that would really feed – um, avoidance um, you've still got to get it out of that, it. but
1: if you're doing it I mean, like i run a limited company i think roger does as well uh so yeah i'm, I'm bound to want to get rid of corporate tax because i'm paying it but then you've still got to get the money out of that company so you're paying it in dividends or you're paying yourself a salary which is going on income tax so if, to right
0: the- but if you didn't have when we didn't have any tax um on small companies we had a period when we had nil rate there were all sorts of games people were playing to keep the money in the company uh to take it out by way of capital gains. Take it out by way of dividend, which is not as expensive. You don't have to pay any national insurance. So it's, um, it, it, it provides a tax shelter. You, I mean, we have to tax companies, but also we have to tax um, companies because it raises quite a lot of money. And um, particularly in the developing world, they simply couldn't manage without taxing companies. Do you know, every every avenue we've gone down,
1: we've we've hit complexity almost straight away. I think we've done, done a very good job of saying, there exactly. isn't an easy answer <laughs> exactly. because whichever way you look, there's going to be, Extenuating circumstances, which means you you know you can't do it that way, which explains why we're in the situation we're in right now, so you actually simplifying it i mean is there, is there is there any hope of ever simplifying it
0: Well, I think it can be simplified for individual people having to deal with the system, as I said, using technology um I think there are simplifications we can make, and I think you know for example, taking vAT we could simplify v a t by reducing uh, the number of exemptions and reliefs and um That would be a very good thing because we have a lot of arbitrary distinctions between chocolate milkshake and strawberry milkshake and that kind of thing. So, um, you know, there are certainly things we could do to simplify this. But
2: would it be possible to simplify the whole structure, not just one sector like VAT, but, for example, with corporation tax, with income tax, with inheritance tax, with all these other things? Could there be a general kind of getting rid of exceptions that would go through someone just just slashing through that without necessarily making the system less fair or, or, or less equitable.
0: There are people who suggest that we could have a consumption tax or a cash flow tax. Um, Some of my colleagues propose this. I think any system that we came up with would end up with some complexity, that we would always have special pleading from groups who wanted special exemptions and so on. And politicians who have very little uh, ability to do anything very much uh, because they don't control the central banks would um, often be looking to tax as a way of making concessions to those special groups. So I think while we have politics, we're going to have complexity, basically.
2: Just tell us on that on that consumption tax, sorry, what, what, what does it actually mean, the things your colleagues proposed? What actually would they involve?
0: Um, again, it's not straightforward, but uh, at a corporate level, they would look um, not at where profits were made, which is almost impossible to work out anyway, but they would look at where sales took place essentially
1: but then, you got but, then you got there, the, but
0: that has other issues
1: well one of them would be the supply chain wouldn't it so if i make something that gets bought by somebody else who then uses that to make somebody else do we get taxed at each level in which case companies that are sort of vertically integrated don't pay that tax companies that are passing on and selling stuff to other companies that are adding value are paying that tax
0: And they have a system to deal with that, but as soon as they start working out that system, it gets complicated. um, It gets complicated again. (laughs) (laughs) So,
1: isn't isn't part of the problem then that we are so focused on? Consumption or transactions? Should we perhaps be looking at wealth? So should we, for example, say, well, let's get back to you know very old idea. Let's get back to the idea of land tax because it's it's unavoidable. If you own the land, you live there, you pay for it, you pay for the value of that land year on year based on your on your wealth rather than getting so much of our tax based on on purchases, which obviously will, will inhibit spending. For example,
0: There's a good argument for taxing land. Um- much more heavily and um also taxing other forms of wealth um inheritance tax is a very good tax because you were taxing the taxpayer at a time when he or she no longer needs the property um but these are very unpopular taxes i think a land a more land tax and a, obviously a much better tax than our current council tax Would be both fairer and could be simpler,
1: and could help councils as well. Because I mean, we've got we've got the problem that councils are sort of going cap in hand to uh, to to the national government. uh, If there was if there was money coming up from, I mean, it would be an incentive first of all for uh, for local councils to clear more land because they know you know available for building because they know they know they're going to get more tax from it, Uh, and so they could fund themselves. Perhaps even be passing money the other way up to up to federal government. So we, uh, we, I mean, that's a separate
0: problem as how you. range the um, relationship between central government and local government and how much they keep of of the taxes they collect. Um, But definitely if you were to tax, um, to give them the power to tax land, that would have certain advantages and no doubt certain disadvantages because different areas have very different levels of wealth. So they're probably always going to have to have some kind of transfer between uh, central government and local government um, to ensure levelling up across the but country. We would get rid
1: of a bit of the NIMBYism, wouldn't it? because uh, people will be saying... I don't
0: know how to get rid of the nimbyism. <laughs> no, but if, you, but if, but if, uh,
1: but if uh, you say, oh, look, they're building another housing estate here, there's more money coming into the local area, that means maybe they can reduce our rates or how much we spend to support our... I'm not sure people lands. would
2: perceive it in that way.
0: <laughs> I'm not sure either,
1: yeah. And I suppose the, the, it's an interesting, with all these
0: taxes
2: And the... I mean, the, the history is littered with taxes put in place for a good reason that then went wrong. I mean, the classic one was the window tax or the half tax in the, in the, in the 18th, 17th century, and people blocked up their windows because that, that saves them tax. So there's always, there's always little wrinkles like that, aren't there? And that's the problem of any system that is different or new. People will find ways
0: around it. And you've also got to think about the question of incidents. You can have a tax that looks as if it's going to tax landowners, like the window tax. But um, actually, there was a question about who was bearing that tax because it was passed on to quite poor people um, who, who were trying to rent uh properties. so Dickens actually did loads of interesting work on that. um Charles Dickens. Um, you know you don't know who's actually going to end up paying the tax if you um, have a new tax because it can be passed on. so we don't know, for example, exactly who pays corporate taxes.
2: isn't isn't that? I mean, to come back in a slight circle, you mentioned earlier about this need to have people buying into their own democracy by paying tax as a sort of principle, of involvement, and that was one of the arguments, of course, notoriously with the poll tax that was hugely unpopular, introduced by Margaret Thatcher's government in the 80s. But is there not a kind of sense to that, that actually you do need to be able to participate in some way? I,
0: yes, I think that if you're voting without any responsibilities, um, then uh, you won't have a proper discussion of, of, of the system and how much should be spent on different aspects of the system, so... Um, I, I do think there's a democratic element, and I think it might be time uh, with new technology to move away from the PAYE system and have everybody dealing with their own tax. The problem
1: is, of course, as, as, it, as it currently stands, I mean, you do, you need an accountant to file a tax return, unless you are on a very simple PAYE, in which case, you, you know, you're not doing anything at all. But I mean, a, a staggering proportion of the population have to have accountants. I mean, the you know the the, the accountancy industry is based on the complexity uh, of our tax system and you know the difficulty in dealing with the tax office. Well, the accountants pay tax, of course.
0: I think it's based on um, uh, sometimes the, the the unnecessary complexities, but also um, you know all these reliefs and so on, which which people are claiming, and then then that complicates their affairs. So it should be possible um, to provide the right software, and there is some good software out there, to fill in your own tax return. Um, I think sometimes people are just scared of doing that.
2: Yeah, and then they don't necessarily get it right. What evidence is there, Judith, that, that people are being mistaxed at the moment, that people who perhaps can't afford expensive accountants or what have you in society, perhaps people at the lower end of society, are actually paying more than they should?
0: we do find um, every year that there are stories about quite large numbers of people getting the wrong coding and so on. And they find, and it is very difficult to check your own coding. I have no idea why it has to be written. The letters we receive have to be written in um, gobbledygook. I don't know why that can't be written in English so that you can check your own coding. Um, but every, you do get a coding every year and you can check it and, um, As I say, there is some good commercial software out there, which does make it possible to do your own tax return um, fairly easily. And I often think that when people go to their accountants, the main thing is that they are being disciplined to produce all the information. Um, A lot of the time you take doing your tax return is just putting all the information together when it comes to it. Yeah, that depends
2: whether you you run an efficient office like Phil does or a highly inefficient one like me where, you know, you have to find where the cat's been sitting or whatever to try and actually discover what it is you're supposed to be paying. It has to be
1: seen to be believed, I have to tell you. (laughs)
0: Well, yeah, but you still have to find it. Your accountant can't find it, can
1: they? No, exactly. That's true. But, I mean, mean, even if you're pretty good at this sort of stuff, I mean, it's still, obviously, the fact that there are exemptions and many of which could be done away with. The fact that we've got, you know, the the multi levels of of income tax, make, which makes perfect sense. But then, on alongside that, you've got national insurance, and you know that money is just going into general revenue and the government. So why have that? I mean, there's at that most simple level, there's a, there's surely there's a there's an an opportunity for for simplification. If we started and said, well, let's get rid of a lot of the exemptions. Let's make sure that that the that the uh, the levels at which each uh, each tier kicks in seems to be fair. Let's make sure they move in line with inflation as opposed to sticking around for the best part of 10 years. Uh, And uh, yeah, and let's do away with national insurance. That would be a good start, wouldn't it?
0: Doing away with national insurance would be an excellent start. I've um, argued for it for many years, merging it with um, income tax, there would be losers as well as winners. And um, politicians don't like having to deal with losers. So, um, the losers would be those who are earning um non non-earned income, investment income, and so on. um and they wouldn't like it.
1: Higher, higher income earners, by and large, though, yeah, we're talking about not all, right?
0: but and, some. Yeah, also people on pensions who currently don't pay national insurance, and the fact that
1: national insurance stops at a certain level as well. So I mean, higher income earners are you know benefiting because that that's a you know a percentage it doesn't point stop
0: completely, but it the, it, it, it reduces becomes, it reduces yeah. considerably. Yeah.
1: So these are regressive tax, and then the idea of a regressive tax in a society like the UK it's really, I mean, that that is part of the problem with VAT, of course, isn't it? But in that it's a it's a flat tax, so it's regressive because it means less to them the more you earn but i mean and national he
0: insurance is there um for political reasons because it feeds into the myth that um there is an insurance system and that we are all protected by the state and that we have earned our pensions uh, people also believe that national insurance pays for the health service which um it, there is a part which is allocated to the health national health service but it doesn't pay for the whole health service so there are many myths around national insurance and they are myths which suit the politicians quite well and can you imagine um if they abolished national insurance and announced that the rate of tax was now 65 percent top rate you know that would go down you can imagine what the newspapers would make of that but it wouldn't
1: have to be that much would it I mean, it's well. We're,
0: we're paying fifteen. You know, we're paying a lot of national insurance, twelve and a half percent, and then there's also employers' national insurance. Remember, right? But
1: but, but that is. But a lot of that is twelve and a half percent for people on lower income. The the higher income are not paying to that extent. Well, the employers so, are. The
0: employers' yeah. national insurance is high, so it's quite a lot of money that would have to be recouped from somewhere I, else.
1: I can't. I can't
2: imagine it being done politically. I just, as you say, I just think it would be. It wouldn't work, and that's the trouble, isn't it? Because so much of this is worn out by uh, ignorance really about the way the tax system works and people not wanting to change it but there's also ignorance about by just saying oh it's too complicated we can't deal with it do you think that is in itself a, a drag on the economy do uh, invest uh, big companies from abroad not come to someone like somewhere like Britain precisely because it is too complicated or it's disadvantageous in tax terms
0: for them and we know that Companies take account of tax in their location decisions, but it's only one of very many factors. Um, and I don't think many large companies are going to be making their decisions purely based on tax. And where they are, we have many um, special provisions to encourage them to come. So, um, I, and I don't think we're that high on the on the international complexity and. In, index. In most developed countries, there is complexity in the tax system. Um, I think our HMRC um, are reasonably efficient compared with some other other revenue organisations. So I, I doubt whether that is putting companies off. I don't think tax is the only thing that would be putting companies off coming to the UK. There are many other much more important factors.
1: <clears throat> yeah, but I'd like you know, not being part of Europe, for example, but yeah. uh, we won't go there today. But I mean, but perhaps uh, it's an opportunity, though, isn't it? If we were to say, well, actually, uh, you know, over a period of five years or something, we we go at it to try and simplify our tax system uh, so it's easier to deal in the in the UK because we've got one of the world's simplest tax systems, which is still, you know, very equitable. Well, we're efficient. going to have to
0: be dealing with the pillars that I mentioned because the, and, and they are worldwide. and. Once we have them, it's not going to be simple. And we have to do that because that's an international agreement. So I don't think it's going to be... You see that,
2: that kind of international tax system, which is almost what it approaches, okay, applied... Nationally, but but decided internationally, could that be applied in other areas? Beyond corporation tax, could there be perhaps an international agreement about income tax or VAT or something like that? Is that the way it's moving? Of
0: course, we had an international agreement about VAT when we were members of the European Union, um, and that was saving quite that that would save, simplify things a lot because there are um things like a one stop shop you only have to register in one member state and so on um if you're part of that union so we have complicated vat by leaving um the european union so uh- would we, aside
1: from, you know, the international component of, of corporate tax, but just looking at income tax and VAT and national insurance, I mean, it, it's, and then all of the rules that apply and all the exemptions that apply. I mean, that tax code, if we, if we simplified it, in, particularly by getting rid of national insurance and getting rid of those exemptions, I mean, I don't know how many thousands of pages of tax code there are. But could we halve it, for example, and and get something which is just that that much more workable? And if and if some of it means that people are disadvantaged, are we able to identify who's disadvantages and say, well, okay, we'll 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 provide benefits back to you in in other ways through through welfare, welfare payments, for example? I
0: think that would be the argument with removing VAT exemptions. Um, remove those VAT exemptions so on food, for example. You are right that. Um, it's regressive in the sense that um, poorer people spend a higher proportion of their income on food. So they would lose out if we imposed VAT on all food. But at the same time, wealthy people also are getting that exemption of from VAT on food and they um, are probably buying more expensive food. So we could... Raise a lot of revenue by getting rid of the exemption on food, and then we could redistribute it through a better benefit system.
2: Then we've we've just we just moved our camp from the complication of the tax system to the complication of the benefit system, which is. <laughs> and then you an would
0: have to believe that it would actually come to you through the benefit system. And if if you thought that you were going to pay the extra VAT but not get the benefits, you wouldn't vote for that, would you?
1: No,
2: no. The benefit system is extraordinarily but you,
1: complicated. But you might vote for a <laughs> government that comes and says, "This is all complicated. It's holding the." Country back, and and we are going to work to simplify. And there will be winners and losers. I mean, I don't know. I'm, I'm old fashioned. The idea, and maybe it's not old fashioned. It's just uh, I'm just unrealistic. The idea that there might be some honesty in politics, and and people actually accept the fact there'll be winners and losers, and everyone will be compensated. But you know, we're doing something to make life simpler because I feel like uh, there's lots of consumption, for example, held back. So twenty percent uh, VAT. Most tax you don't see. You know, if you're on PAYE, you you get the the money that's paid into your your bank. You've gotten you know, the the tax has come out of it. So it doesn't concern you too much. You go and buy something and it would be £100, but it's £120. You might be there going, oh, £120 is a bit pricey. I don't think I will. Uh, And I I do, I, I haven't got any evidence to provide this claim, but I do feel like consumption is held back by consumption tax.
0: But there you're arguing that the transparency of the tax system is a bad thing. Yeah. Uh, Whereas I would say (laughs) that it would be better if you also knew how much income tax you were paying.
2: Yeah. Yeah, and felt um, you were paying something, which goes into that whole idea of being part of the system that, that you're voting for. Yeah, and
0: you may think you were paying too much, or you may think you're not paying enough, but at least you would know. I think it's very wrong that people don't know how much they're paying.
1: I don't like Judith very so much when she starts talking logically and uh, turning these <laughs> things, t- turning these things around back at me. How dare you? <laughs> well,
2: there we are. But no, I mean, you, you, you've certainly taken us through a route that suggests that it's very complicated to decomplicate the tax system. I think that's a fair assumption. That's
0: fair. But there are things that can be done, which I think might largely be administrative things, which might sound very boring, but could make people's lives a lot easier Um, and we should be able to do with new technology and I'm not sure we are using that new technology to its fullest at the moment.
1: Okay so let's phase in summary then so we're going to get rid of a bunch of exemptions we're going to get rid of national insurance we're going to use technology more we're, so we're going to rebuild the the system that the uh, the HMRC is using from, from the ground up uh, and we're going to try and use that to try and automate as much as possible or simplify the whole process in which we are able to submit our tax returns and understand how much tax we're paying as, as as part of the process. That's where, in summary, that's where we are.
0: Sounds good. That sounds
1: good to me, yep. So we are. Well, Let's just hope someone inter- does it. Put it <laughs> into action <laughs> straight away. Thanks, Judith. Okay, thank <laughs> you. Thank you so much, Judith. Thank you, bye. So yes, so from I don't know how you do a segue on this, Roger. Go for your best from tax to people. Watch the master work from tax. It's in taxing times in Moscow. In what? Just in three words. Taxing times in (laughs) four words in Moscow. That that is just pure genius because we are going from tax tax to Russia. Beautiful. I am in awe. We are. We're
2: going to talk about what's going on after the Wagner mutiny that wasn't, and of course now the dust or perhaps the snow later on begin to settle and we'll get a sense of what has actually changed, if anything, in Moscow. uh, A sense, perhaps, of whether Vladimir Putin is indeed weakened. Many people thought, after what happened with the mutiny, that he wouldn't last very long, but he's still there. And it is
1: bizarre how, you know, what exactly did go on there. I mean, you know, they were marching on Moscow and then all of a sudden it's all off. And, uh, you know, and what's happening to the Wagner Group now uh, and, and you know, are people in Russia now starting to see, you know, the other side of the argument? Because, of course, they've all been sort of like hoodwinked by Russian state-owned media. Uh, well, and, indeed.
2: And, and they're still, interestingly, putting out the official line, as they obviously would. But no one's quite sure what the official line is. Because whichever
1: way you cut it, it doesn't look very good. Mm. So we'll be looking particularly at the the, 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 the local media response in Russia to, to all of this next week. Indeed. That's coming up on The Wykart. Brought to you by Wigmore. See you next week. Thanks for listening.
0: The Y Curve.